to hears Johnny's reviews. They may review podcasts that will try to be nice with you, but may indeed slicing and dicing them each and every month. There's a thing. Uh, as it's November, I'm doing No Nightmare November, which is my look at non-Freddy Krueger or Robert England movies. Uh, I thought I'd look at both, yes folks, both movies directed by Robert England himself, and two random movies in which he plays anything but Freddy Krueger. First up is his directorial debut, he's when you say that, 976 Evil, which is about a bullied teen that has a hotline to hell. Now, in Britain, we do not have these 976 chat lines. We were right, our numbers were... 0898, I remember right. Hmm. Which, if you phoned, you fucking racketed your phone ball up sky bloody well high, and all hell broke loose me for crying out loud. I mean, I remember there was a a Freddy line done for Freddy's Dead. It was on the videotape, and I'm th- pretty sure it was an 0898 number, and I called it once, and a five minute phone call cost about 20 quid, I think it was. It was ridiculous how much money the thing cost, but maybe once swiftly. So onto this movie itself, this was hot off the heels of A Nightmare on Street Part 4. So England had a free reign to come up with anything he wanted to, so he came up with the 976 line straight to hell. Now, I saw this about, what, 15, 20 years ago, first time, and I thought this was all sorts of craziness, but ultimately very meh. Now, I know there's multiple cuts of this thing, so I'm watching the 92-minute cut, so I have no idea if this is done cut or no. I mean, so, let's put a quarter in the phone box and dial the devil himself. So, with a $2 million budget, this thing pulled in $2.9 million and was quickly forgotten until the horror buffs found it years later. Even now, it's kind of a little-known horror, but moving on. Starring Stephen Jeffries, Jim Meltzer and Leslie Dane, directed by Robert England. The plot, in a small town, an unpopular teen, Hawks, is bullied at school. He has little to no friends. One night he dials a 976 number to get his quote-unquote horoscope. Soon he finds out he has a phone line to hell and gets demonic powers which he uses to get revenge. Unfortunately, this costs him his soul. Can he be stopped? Or will the devil collect call his soul? Find out here. So, after the logos, it opens up on a dial tone as the title is literally dialed in. 976 Evil. We open on a nightmare, I think it is. I mean, I have no idea what's happening here. I think it's a nightmare. It could be reality. I have no idea. How very original of England to rip off Fucking Freddy. I mean, he wanted away from Freddy, but he does open this thing in a nightmare. Kidding. We see an unnamed man running out of a rundown building as multiple telephones start ringing. Running through town, every single phone is ringing. Even the car phone in his car is ringing. Memory things. Hmm. So he runs to a dead end alley, which handily has a phone booth. Memory things. Hmm. He then answers it, and it bursts into flames. Gotta say, I love how this is edited plus the camera shots, although I'm getting a Nightmare on Street heavily from this. My God, some of the camera angles and the way the phone rings is very Nightmare on Street. So, once both he and a phone booth has exploded, we see a waitress working in Dante's diner. Get it? Because it's the devil. There's multiple jokes of devil this and Satanist and blah 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 all for this bloody well movie. 
Subtle. Hmm. Who hears the explosion but does absolutely nothing? Cut to El Diablo. See what I mean? I mean, uh, cinema again. Subtle much. Which is hosting an all-night horror-a-thon, which I probably went to once upon a time. <laughs> or what I went to anyway. Note there are. This is a four-foot miniature, with working lights and indeed teeny tiny little mini posters. This shot was called Intervision, which is just out the bloody movie because it's cheaper to do than um, various other shots. So inside the projection room, which has various movie posters including Clockwork Orange, Miniac, and a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We see a group of punks playing cards, gambling with Spike, played by Patrick O'Brien for his Harley Davidson. The leader, Marcus, played by J.J. Cohen, cleans house with four aces, leaving Spike to walk home alone. Now, did that opening kill actually happen in real life, or was it a dream? Who knows? So cut to an overly religiously dressed house filled with cats. I mean, like there's like 62,000 cats in this bloody movie. As meet Hawks, played by Stephen Jeffries, fresh off their Fright Night movie as eating a chocolate bar while purring at the woman in a National Geographical um, magazine. So apparently Robert England hired him not for Fright Night but for his other movie right after Fright Night and then he was given this role. Now to me this guy comes across as a sleazeball but I don't know he's an unlikable actor. Even in Fright Night he's an unlikable actor. He's a bit too sleazy and greasy for me. It's just ugh. Anyway. In walks his mama aunt, Lucy, played by Sandy Dennis. She is his auntie, but like I says, he calls her mama. I have no idea what's going on here. I mean, it's, it's very mm, weird. She is a walking stereotype with the batwing glasses, head full of rollers, and of course, a gigantic cross around her neck. She's a fucking atypical Stephen King Rogers nut. We find out Spike is Hoxie's cousin, I mean, seriously, who the hell calls a son hoax, let alone Spike? I mean, this is all sorts of weird because he keeps on sending him little love letters via a tube messenger system and then he waves at them from his bedroom. It's all sorts of ugh and weird. I mean, when I first watched this, I thought these two were neighbours and it was slightly better, but now I find out they're cousins and oh, it's all sorts of ugh, just, just wrong. Anyway, this tube messenger didn't actually work on the set. The notes had to be forced by someone off camera, which pissed off England not uh, horrendously, rather. I mean, mm. so in Spike's magazine, a flyer falls out for an six evil horoscopes. So he calls it and it tells him, quote, out of the darkness into the light comes your horoscope in this dark and stormy night. Push 666 for your horoscope. This goes on throughout the bloody movie. Every time it rings, this thing pops up. Two things here. One, there's 12 horoscope signs. So how the hell does this, this um, pre-recorded line know which horoscope you are? And also, there is no price given, which was highly legal. So it tells him he is in financial trouble, but not to worry. His prize is right there and he has to claim it on the double. What's to that effect? Because all these horoscopes are actually rhymed really badly. That night, as the storm rolls in, he breaks into his aunt's house and steals a money hidden in a fishing trophy for some reason. Because apparently fish is everywhere in this thing. Something to do with, 
I have no idea. Christ, I'm guessing. I have no idea about this fish. Everyone has bloody well movie. He is caught by his aunt who tells him, Thou shalt not steal. And then throws him out of the house after she rips him a new one for stealing his own money. It's his inheritance, I'm guessing. So I have no idea what's happening here. I mean, this this is just confusing. So once he's finished with this crazy old bat of a woman outside, it starts to rain fish. She sees this as a miracle, but it's an omen of evil. And not apparently off camera. Robert England was throwing fish at the actors standing on a ladder. That must be a fun sign. Anyway, cut to him calling the hotline again. This time it tells him, quote, When it rains, it pours. You're not in debt anymore. God, that's a terrible rain. Yet, another note from Hawks, this time in a fish's mouth. Now, that is some suction from that bloody tube. Leave it. We all know about Stephen Jeffries' backstory. We'll just leave it there. The note then reads, Nice trick. How did you pull it off? I mean, this guy's a fucking idiot. Spike just tosses it in the bin and moves on. Next morning, a shyster from the Modern Miracle magazine comes to interview the ants about the fish. He is Morty Palmer, played by Jim Meltzer. How the hell did he hear about the next day is beyond me, but moving on very swiftly. Cut to high school as Hoxie's head is getting flushed down the toilet and spot the R and N amongst all the other graffiti. That stands for Robert and Nancy. Nancy being Robert England's wife, who they met on set and are still married to this day. Oh, good thing I came up for this bloody movie, I think. So once Spike pays off Marcus, he beats up the thugs and then saves Hawks from getting drowned. Spike then leaves with Hawks running after him. Like a bloody lost little puppy, he is a truly pathetic character. He then spews out, he was blessed by the Lord last night, so things will change for him for the better. Yeah, mate, that's not the Lord you're thinking of. Hmm. So back to the nutball aunt as she's selling her bullshit story to the magazine writer. Cut to Hawks cock-blocking Spike from his girlfriend Susie, played by Leslie Dane, who is dressed like a fetish Catholic schoolgirl. Gone bad. My God, it's so stereotypical, it's unbelievable. By the way, she played... Oh God, what was it? The blonde in Freddy's Dead? The final survivor girl? I can't have her bloody name now. Yeah, I have no idea. I want to say Tina, but it's not Tina. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, Hawks pulls up in his little scooter, thinking he is all rough and tough, saying he's just like Spike with his Harley Davidson. God, that's desperate and sad. Jesus, jinkies. Of course, he wants to race Spike, so Spike roars off, leaving it in his dust, causing Hawks to show off for Susie as he crashes into a wire fence. What can I say, but... Just fucking wow. The levels of desperation of this character is unbloody believable. Moving on softly. That night, a woman is walking home alone as she picks up the 976 fire from the ground and burns it. A telephone rings behind her. It's the devil telling her a deal is a deal. She then begs him to, to leave her alone and hangs up. Seconds later, all the phones in a window display start to ring. It then explodes, shoving the woman in glass, lying, dying. The phone line goes dead. And note, Robert England fears explosive glass or glass explosions on camera. This is why he did this in real life, as he thought it would be a cool death. So let me get this straight here. There's been two weird deaths for adults in less than 40 hours, and the cops are not investigating this. Okay then. Anyway, so at 
the diner, Marty orders nothing from Angela the Waitress, played by uh, Maria Rubin. I think her name was. Because there's like two Angelas in this movie. There's the Waitress Angela and there's the school teacher Angela. So I have no idea which is which because there's only one Angela in a bloody cast list. Typical bloody IMGB. <clears throat> anyway, she looks st- straight out of Animal Street Part 5. Working in the Craven. Oh, God, that joke's terrible. Up pulls Spike across the street on his motorbike to get a repair part for his Harley Davidson. Here we meet shop owner Virgil, played by J.J. Johnson. He drops the Harley as a 1948 rare um, Harley Davidson, and indeed it belonged to Spike's dad. So Spike calls the hotline again and it tells him to steal the gloves as he has his eye on them. He can't do it, so the phone booth rings. As he answers it, it mocks him. A woman's voice warns him to look both ways while crossing the street. He ignores it and is almost hit by a transan from hell. Luckily, Marty pushes him out of the way to safety as now inside Marty orders a western omelette. What the hell that is? And Spike orders a devilled egg sandwich. Do we get it? Because it's a devil. Funny, haha. He then interviews him, but Spike doesn't want to answer anything. Later, he picks up Susie from the high school gym. What the hell is she doing there? He was supposed to get... Oh my god, it's like 9 o'clock at night, she's still standing there. How desperate are you, love? My god. Cut to them having sex with the cheesiest music in the world playing over it. My god. As across the street, Hawks is watching via a telescope. What in the actual fuck? That is his cousin he's getting off to. Okay, maybe it's the chick, but really? You're watching your cousin rail his girlfriend? Oh, so gross. As Spike comes, Hawk sends him a letter saying, great job or something like that. What the fuck is going on here? Susie gets pissed off and calls him a little creep, then closes the blind and then fishes out a cigarette from Spike's leather jacket because she's wearing his leather jacket. Because it's super sexy, I suppose. Hmm. Here she finds the hotline number and then throws her panties at Spike. Who in the fuck wrote this? She then takes a pair of his boxer shorts and puts them under her Catholic school dress. Or skirt, rather. What the fuck? What sort of fetish crap is this box? Meanwhile, Spike takes Susie to the cinema where he's pulled away to play cards. I mean, who said romance was dead? Hoax then calls number because um, Hoax breaks into Spike's um, bedroom. And sniffs Susie's underwear, puts it in his back pocket and takes up the flyer. So, like I said, Hoax calls number, which tells him to go to cinema and meet the girl of his dreams. Meanwhile, Spike is knee-deep in winnings. However, Susie is pissed off, so she leaves. He throws her a 20 for a cab. Again, who says romance was dead? Outside of the projection room, she dumps his ass. After all, he... All he wants to do is gamble with the boys. I mean, for crying out loud. So... Outside she goes, and I love the movie, movies that this, this um, cinema is showing. We have Evil Dead, Texas Not So Massacre, Phenomenum, and Alone in the Dark, 1982. So up sneaks Hoax to jump scare her. She puts a little creep in his place by bitch slapping his fucking face. I'm gonna mm. cut to him on a date at a pizzeria. Uh, okay, I'm gonna you're slapping him, and next minute you're taking him on a dinner date. Mm, moving on swiftly. Meanwhile, Spike is cleaning house back at the cinema. 
So back at the pizza place, Susie spots a spider and goes on full on panic mode until Hawks picks up and tells her he has a a spet a, a spet a pet spider back at his house. So in walks Marcus and his boys to take the losings out on Hoxie's ass. So she tries to save him, but Marcus pulls her panties from his back pocket, so she leads him to his fate. What sort of moron keeps the panties in the back pocket, a fucking little perv? Hours later, Marcus and his boys are jumping all over the dumpster, as inside, yes, you have guessed it, is Hoax. I mean, can this episode of Freddy's Nightmares end now? This is getting beyond fucking lame. Sadly, no, there's still a bit fucking 50 minutes left, I'm crying out loud. Well, it's after midnight, and he's still out. Where's his mama? Hmm. Cut to him calling the hotline, telling him not to worry. His pride they will take, but she will be by his side to call back later to claim your prize. Oh, that doesn't believe in rhyme. Moving on. Back to Susie, who is now home cooking herself a frozen dinner. Well, after midnight. Where the hell's her parents? Meanwhile, in his bedroom, Hoax is on the phone with Satan, telling him, to curse Susie, which he does by using his spider and a circle of salt. Hold on a minute here. He curses her because she got mad at him for stealing her panties? Who in the fuck wrote this? I mean, back to Susie. Her TV dinner is now crawling with spiders. Oh, and it's a devil's twin meal because of course it is, because that's hilarious, isn't it? Later on, I joke into the grounds, mate. Jesus, jinkies. Also, he he uses devil's roots, which is a, some sort of ivy with a devil's tail, which I think actually exists in real life, but there we have it. Because again, funny, haha, he is laughing and moaning while grabbing his crotch as she's freaking the fuck out being covered in spiders. Nope. <laughs> and note, England hated the fact that the spiders would just lay there once they were free. He wanted them to crawl all over this actress, but they were having none of it, so they just crawled around slightly. Uh, sorry, Bob, but spiders don't do tricks. They're not bloody cats or dogs. So, anyway, he comes out of his trance and then screaming, No! to the heavens as he kills his pet spider around rides a little scooter like the wind to Susie to find her dead on the floor as spiders are crawling about her. Wait, she died of fright? I'm kidding. He returns home when finally his mother chews him out for being out all hours. What is it? But fucking three in the morning for crying out loud. Oh my god, hold on here. Why is she ginger? Wasn't she blonde in the first movie? I mean, it's a wig. Oh my god, she's wearing multiple coloured wigs. Who the fuck thought this was hilarious? Mm. She shouts at him about the phone bill. Now, unless I'm wrong, oh, this happens in a three-day span. How in the blue fucking hell did the phone bill arrive? Never mind... Oh my god, his cousin has his own phone line. How the fuck does she have the fucking phone? Oh my god. Anyway, Spike... Sorry, he throws Spike under the bus, claiming he never called 976 number. It was Spike, she doesn't stand for his shit, and slaps him about. And then she pulls his phone line off the wall. Next day at school, Marty goes to see Hoxie's teacher, who I think is Angela. She's also the dean this high school, but eh. So he's now a PI, not a reporter, again, who wrote this. 
And why isn't he a cop? I mean, there's been two deaths and three deaths now, sorry. Uh, okay then. He gets her to call him to her office for questioning uh, him being spiking kids. Hmm. I just noticed a sign saying, quote, We take your dreams seriously. How very Freddy of this movie. I mean, Jesus Christ. So Hoax runs into Spike, an indoor basketball court, to warn him Marty is out for Spike. He also rubs in the fact that him and Susie split up the night before. He then runs his mouth telling him he killed Susie. So Spike throws him about the locker room. And Hox is now screaming he killed her and using his spider. What the fuck is going on in this movie? Who wrote this and thought it was a good idea? Why isn't the cops all over this fucking school? Again, there's been three murders in less than three fucking days. Jesus Christ, this movie's terrible. How can Hox be so cold and so evil after only two calls? When Spike has called this phone line multiple times, this makes no fucking sense. Spike rips up the hotline flyer, throwing... Hawks to the ground, and then he threatens his revenge. Okay, this guy is long gone. I mean, Jesus Christ. If they were going for a carry, which is a bullied, gentle teen pushed too far, she finds out she has supernatural powers, and then she uses it for revenge, then they have failed miserably. Hawks is a greasy, sleazy, disgusting little twerp who is highly unlikable and she's a sad Desperate little creep. He is a disgusting, unlikable wankstein. A waste of an itch of his daddy's pants. So Spike throws Hawks away like yesterday's garbage. So Hawks then swears even more revenge. Cut to Marty picking up the ripped, the sort of the torn up fire from the locker room floor. So he was in the locker room, creepy. He calls the hotline and he traces it to the owner. Also, right down to its very building, which is kind of, hmm. Inside, you see multiple scams. And I mean multiple fucking phone line scams, including a horse race line that are giving tips on tricks on horses, all with devilish names. And then a drunk Santa. They also have a sexy teen line from a fat woman who's constantly eating. Because that's hilarious, right? Oh my god. Finally, we meet the owner, Mark Dark. Really? I mean, this is more like a fucking stripper and or porn star than a fucking devil. Played by Robert Picardo, who may or may not be the devil himself. He shows Marty the dial at Devil Room, which is long, empty with cobwebs absolutely everywhere. It's an automated answer machine, which answers all the calls with the same messages. What in the fuck is happening here? He goes on that machine has been unplugged for three months, as it cost too much to run and didn't have any... Uh, Good overheads or such a fuck he's banging on about. So what's going on here? Hmm. So back in school, Hoax is cutting up a frog for biology class. I wonder if this was done in reality. Was just done for movies and TV shows? Hmm. He can't do it, even though it's cut wide open for him. So the biology teacher, Mr. Michaels, played by Paul Wilson, makes, uh, sort of mocks him lightly, saying what's wrong, a little bit green along the gills, because it's a frog joke. Hoax runs to the toilets to throw up. Here he sees he has dark lines appearing all over his face and his hair has started to fall out. In walks Marcus's boys to try to flush the little twat down the toilet. Somehow Hoax's hand is now demonic as it grows 
four-inch nails, much like Freddy. And he has now grown claws, which he used to slice up one of the bullies' faces. He is now brimming with power and threatens to kill all the bullies. Later that day, Spike uh, looks in Hoxie's closet to find an empty spider cage. He then runs home as he hears his phone ringing. It's the demon. Hoax warning him off not to wander around his house anymore. Cut to the diner as Marty is on a date with Hoxie's head teacher. Telling her raining fish are a warning from God. Who hired this guy? Is he a reporter or a PI? Or is he just a hunter for demonic reasons? Nothing is explained about this guy at all. Meanwhile, the nutball aunt is having dinner with her horde of cats. Hoax walks in to the kitchen to retrieve his mobile, uh, mobile phone. His um, house phone, which he had back in the previous scene, but moving on swiftly. She chases after him, but it's no good. He's now evil. He threatens her life. Back to Marty, who has returned to the following office, but it's long empty. The only thing left is the 976 evil line number, which Hoax calls. Marty listens in as he calls it right in front of his face, but he doesn't hear the devil. He just hears Marty's rantings. As he said, I understand, I must tell everybody. Cue some cheap 80s lightning effects as Hoax is now fully possessed by a devil. I have no idea, a demon. Marty nopes it the fuck out of there, only to be stopped by a ringing phone in the hallway, but she answers it and he gets an electric shock. Back to Hoax with his new cat eyes as he kills his bullies. Why doesn't he kill his aunt first? Moving on. At the cinema, Hoax takes on Marcus's boys who are playing strip poker, but there's only three men in. Four men, actually. Hmm. That's weird. Also, um... Marcus's girlfriend is standing there for some... Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Spike rides to a church to get help, but he leaves empty-handed as the priest says, I'm sorry, we can't help you. The, the service is long over. Helpful that one is. Hoax now takes on Marcus, bitch-slapping him across the room as he sets the film reels alight because he's killed the other two goons just like that off-camera and has playing a pair of hearts as he hopes shows him the two hearts because gambling is funny right so was that terrible pun marcus goes for his flick blades how very 80s as hawks just stands there with his i have no idea fucking demonic fingers and the, like a freddy stance i mean hmm. he then stands on the hand and rips off the hand using I have no idea what's going on here. He basically just rips his hands off and goes, what's the matter? Can't, would you like a new hand or a dead man's hand? What the fuck the joke was? It was terrible. He's now on fire. I mean, on the roof, he impales the final bully on a pitchfork light as Marcus's girlfriend just screams off camera. Marcus is then crawled all the way into the disgusting toilet to patch up his hand, but Hoax is right there. As he slices them open, blood pours out of the toilet. What is going on here? Next is Mummy Dearest. He first slashes her face and then kills her parrot. And then feeds her to her horde of cats. And note, this is actually a dummy filled with tuna. And about a dozen cats feasting on it. So Marty returns to this, this house and climbs up the ivy 
which had a little devil tales as I said earlier, because that's hilarious, right? I mean, this devil joke is going into the bloody ground, so why not? To see Mama slash Aunt Long dead, he noops it and falls to his death. So the head teacher walks into the house to find Marty. The place is frozen. Get it? Hell has frozen over. How fucking lame is that joke? She hears Hoax calling from upstairs, so checks it out, finding the aunt dead and cats eating the bloody tuna. She runs straight into Hoax, who's now voiced by Robert England, who all but sexually assaults her. Marty comes to and finds Hoax chasing the teacher around the now wide-opened frozen hellhole. Marcy pulls the teacher free as Spike takes on the devil hoax. Uh, with holy nunchucks, I think it is. Nope, it's a gun. Where the fuck do you get a gun with nunchucks? You know, yeah, knuckle dusters, nunchucks. Knuckle dusters, what the fuck is going on here? So Spike shoots him in the face with no effect, so he punched him again, no effect. One bitch slap later from hoax, who is standing over Spike as hell has finally frozen over, mocking the saying, I'm now over you as hell's frozen over, blah 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 blah, I'm now powerful, blah da 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 da. Meanwhile, the teacher and Marty try to escape via the pipe messenger system thing. Who in the fuck wrote this? Hoax opened up the bark backyard to hell and then he shakes the tubes, hoping the teacher will fall to her death. Spike takes on his weakling cousin trying to connect with the last piece of humanity, but it's too late. He is long gone. He is in hell. So Spike then bum-rushes Hoax, throwing him out the window and into hell, which closes over behind him. Back to the phone-line office, or office? Office, even. Mark Dark puts a photo of Hoax in a file while eating jelly donuts. What the fuck is happening here? Saying something like, we have something special for you in hell as credits finally roll. What in the fuck was that? This thing is a piss poor Kerry wannabe mixed with Freddy's Dead episode. A bad one at that, not even a bloody Robert England, a fucking bad one. I got a lot, and I do mean a lot, of Nightmare M Street from this, and not in a good way. Jesus Christ, it's like, what did Nightmare Street 5 that bad? Why did Hawks get turned so quick? How did it not take over Spike? Who thought this was a bloody well good idea? Now, Hawks himself is highly unlikable, and this town is just disgusting. Everything is coated in trash or spray paint. Spike himself comes across as a greasy, sleazy fucking douchebag. I mean, this feels like a, a Stephen King wannabe gone wrong. We have the Rockless Nut Mother, we have the Greasers, we have the Bullies, we have the demonic power child, I mean, it's just all over the shot, this is a complete waste of time, avoid us all bloody costs, like I said, this is nothing, nothing but a cheap, a Nightmare Street clone, but with worse effects, worse acting, a worse script, and the bloody jokes are piss fucking poor, I'm gonna give this thing a very, very, very generous 2 out of 10, still, come back next week as I look at another non-Freddy Flick starring England. Now don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Here's a Johnny's Pod. Now check out my franchise horror podcast of Hellraiser House. Uh, what else have I done? <laughs> um, Underworlds? 
etc, etc, and many, many, many more. Also, check out my solo podcast of I think Metal Street Part 2, I think Metal Street Part 3, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Dracula, Blades, and many, many, many more. Uh, Bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies, so I don't have to.